Impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show on the internet for reaching millions of people. And I have an amazing banger of an episode for you today. I have Josh Carey, the man, the myth, the legend. His catchphrase is F that noise. He hosts something called PodMax, which is the premier place to launch a podcast. He has an amazing bi-monthly group of people who get together. It is absolutely awesome, but he did not start there. Josh started at 19 years old when he changed his name to become a filmmaker. He was very successful at it, but he found out that all of the recognition didn't do anything to heal him. He started podcasting, and that is where he found the revelation that changed his life. Josh Carey, how are you doing today? I'm doing so well, Steve. I now have to live up to the adjective of a banger of an episode. I'm in. That's my goal. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Josh, you have so you like every time that I have been on PodMax, we I've enjoyed listening to you. I've enjoyed the group that you have brought together. We'll get to that a little bit later. Take us back though to when you started podcasting. How did you one day wake up and say like I'm going to do a podcast? Like switching from film to podcast is pretty crazy. Well, it begins even prior to that day, which was about four to five years ago. This goes back 40 years ago when um, I was growing up. As you know, today I'm the hidden entrepreneur because I spent 40 years hiding, right? Showing up in every situation, hiding everything that I was truly capable of doing, who I was capable of being. All of my skill, talent, and ability got pushed aside because I desperately wanted to seek the approval of others. And that gets tiring quickly, you know. And growing up, I just realized I don't want to rock the boat. I see people retaliate if they see you do good. And I didn't feel strong enough to stick up or stand up for myself. So I just avoided all of it. Today, I'm the proud father of two adoring children. I have an eight-year-old daughter, a six-year-old son. And early on in their young lives, I realized I see what's happening here. I'm the child in this circle, and I'm the one who has growing up to do. And I took that responsibility, and I said, I am no longer going to play small. I don't want them to see a father who is weak in that way. And from that day forward, I made it my mission to show up as powerfully as, here's the thing, I always knew I was capable of being. That's what caused so much of the frustration. I always knew darn well what I was capable of being, how I was capable of showing up in the world. I just chose to let fear win. That is, I think, the most vulnerable opening statement I have ever heard from somebody on the show. My hat is off to you. I definitely want to dive into seeking approval because that is... Uh. That's something my one of my first mentors, Dan Kennedy, longtime listeners know that I'm a huge Dan Kennedy fan. He was my first mentor. And he told me he was like, the amount of money that you make is directly related to how much you don't care. 
He was like, you can't care about what anyone thinks. You can't ever seek approval. He was like, clients don't hire people who are seeking their approval. They mm. hire people who are leaders. They hire wow. people who will tell them what to do. And I've, I mean, in my own business, I will tell you it's been an eight year, every day I get up and I find places where I'm still doing that, right? And it's, it, it is the true trait of leadership, knowing who you are, knowing what you do and moving forward in that. So how did that tie into leaving filmmaking and getting to podcasting? So the spending 15 years as an actor and filmmaker seeking that external approval, trying to fill that void, you know, the spoiler alert, it doesn't work, right? It all begins on the inside out, not on the outside in. And it took me a lifetime to figure that out. But here I am. So in that time, after my career as an actor filmmaker, uh, I tried making a career out of building websites. And for about 10 years, I had my own digital marketing agency and was serving an industry, building websites, getting uh, clients ranked in Google and SEO and that whole content marketing strategy. It was quote unquote great, but I was still my dark, miserable, depressed person. And I know we attract who we are. And here I am all of my clients and all of the industry I'm attracting is just as angry and miserable as I am. And that just added to the concern, the frustration and all that anger and resentment. And I realized that if I want anything to change, I'm going to have to see this business as any other toxic relationship. Like when we're in a personal relationship, that's toxic. We identify it and we say, I got to go. I don't know where I'm going or what's next, but I cannot stay here. And that's what I had to do. This was after the realization with my children where I was like, okay, I got to make a change. And the first change was to leave that business, leave that industry and figure out what would be next. So I did that. And I took some time, trusted, like I knew I've always been capable of things. I said, all right, I'll figure out what's next. I just can't stay here. And I took a few months and podcasting popped into my, into my mind. I've interviewed people in the past, but never had a formal podcast. And I said, I'm drawn to this. This is calling, right? I feel like I'd be good at this. I'd stick to it. I'd find a passion and excitement through it. And if I'm going to be interviewing great people over and over again. I think I'm smart enough to find and discover opportunity somewhere there. It, it, I have to. So I did. I created the Hidden Entrepreneur brand and then the show, proud to say over 220 episodes later today and still running strong. And slowly but surely, I started interviewing great people and I found a love and started improving my skill and result through that. And I started getting the response. People saying, hey, you're really good at this. This was the best interview ever. And I started getting that confidence and it was building on itself. And I just took that and, and ran. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode. Are you enjoying the story so far? Would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business? Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. 
That is, I mean, that's a great transformation story. I want to unpack some of it though, because I think a lot of people have been there, right? They're, they're in that kind of dark place. They don't like going to their job. Maybe they've uh-huh. built a business that they don't like. I know tons of agency owners that like that's, they do it because it's freedom, but at the same time, they hate running ads. They hate doing that stuff. How did you, how did you find the balls to leave? I mean, to put it really candidly, because uh-huh. I think a lot of people are like, uh-huh whether it's their business or another business, they have the golden handcuffs. They might not have support from the people around them to do it. And they might not have the faith to take that step. Did you have a coach? Did you have somebody that was helping you out? Yes, yes. And yes, it's all of that combined. Um, I, I trusted myself. I, I had the faith. I, I had the, um, the knowledge that I'd be able to do this and just felt strongly that way. I also had my biggest why right? My reason was those two children. I said, come on, they're still so young, but I cannot have them living with me as a father who knows darn well, I'm so much better than this. Projecting myself 20 years down the road as an empty nester, seeing them with this person as a father, I knew there'd be no way I could live with myself if that continued. I had to make the change then and there. And I did, in fact, yes, get myself a mentor and a coach who helped me through it. And this was the big, the big piece of it. My whole reason for playing small for four decades was because not only did I not want to rock the boat, I wanted to seek approval, but I, I, I so much feared that if I came forward powerfully, like I said before, people might retaliate because it shines a light on your insecurities if if you see me doing something great. And I felt I wouldn't have been able to stand up for myself. So I got myself a mentor and a coach who could help me work and build the brand at that time. And secretly, I didn't even share this with him, but I said, as I go forward and make the commitment not to play small, but to always come forward as powerfully as I can, if people start retaliating or saying things or trying to shoot me down, I'm going to have him to lean on. It's just going to take a phone call, a text, a message to say, hey, man, you got to sort of help me through this, right? And I, that gave me enough comfort as I needed, knowing that I had one person in my corner who, who could sort of be my Rocky and Mickey, right? I'm Rocky. He's Mickey. I'm like, help me through this. Uh, And that was enough. Thankfully, as the universe has it, you only get what you focus on because I wasn't focusing on that. I never received it, but meaning nobody retaliated. Uh, and, and I got through it and here I am today still trying to go as strong as I can, but that's what got me through it. The why of my children and the comfort knowing I've one person in my corner who can help me. I think that's okay. So there's, there are two key points there. I, I agree with you so much. First off, I want to say like, you're an inspiration to fathers out there. I don't have kids, but I know my dad said the same thing that you said, except he, he had a hard time getting out of his own way. He's apologized relentlessly for it over the years. Like, I wish I would have been better. He was a great dad. I have nothing bad to say about him, but he's like, I could have done more. 
I could have been better. And my something that I never want to look back and say when I am 60, 70, 90, 120 is I didn't play full out. I would much rather play full out, whatever that means. And I like good for you for finding the inner strength to do it. So having somebody in your corner, huge because they they're there, they have your best interests at heart. And you picked like people say like, oh, I have a spouse or, oh, I have a father or mother or, oh, I've got my friend. They do not necessarily have your best interests. Hear me when I say this, I think you'll agree. It's not that they don't want you to be successful. They don't want the same dream that you have. Your dream is not their dream. Maybe so if, you're, if you're lucky, maybe your spouse. But even then, like having somebody in your corner that is your corner guy, I was actually thinking of like boxing. When you have a corner guy that is just there to pump you up, Mike Tyson had four people at $125,000 a year on his salary to always walk behind him and say, you're the man, Mike. You got this, Mike. Beat the shit out of him, Mike. Like that's... <laughs> Half a million dollars a year. Granted, he's probably not the best money manager, but he had those people there to build him up, which is part of what he said made him so successful. So uh. that's an awesome, awesome story. I mean, I am so glad that you took the leap. I'm glad that you made it through it. The other thing that you pointed out is a lot of times we have those thoughts of like, somebody's going to hate me. Somebody's going to make fun of me. Somebody's going to call me out. And you didn't have a single one. Sometimes we get one or two. Um, one of my, one of my guys that I listen to is Alex Sharfin and he says, haters confirm greatness. He's like, uh -huh. if you have 500 people that are your raving fans, you're going to have one or two that say that you're horrible or they don't like you. And who cares? That means that you're on the right path because the only place that vanilla wins is in ice cream. Oh, I don't, I don't yeah. know if you've ever heard that one. That one's kind of, I fun. have not. Can I throw one more thing into this mix? Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing that in this in this realm helps me through it is i carry this coin on me every single day and it's a gold coin from the stoic philosophy and it says memento mori on it and it means remember you will die and that is some people think that that's dark and morbid i think it's light and energizing and uplifting because what that means, obviously, is it's going to come to an end one way or another. So be very aware of how you're spending your time. And going back to my adoring children, what makes it able for me to do this day in and day out with this knowledge, with holding this coin in my pocket every single day, I think in every moment with my children, and I thought of this when you said how your father, albeit a great dad, but he said, I wish, I wish. None of us want those moments, but I am so aware every day how fragile life is. And no matter how healthy we are, no matter what's happening, truth be told, it, it can end at the drop of a hat. And I don't want any one moment of mine, should it be the last, to be regretful. And that yeah. con and, and that enough is, is to keep me going. Nobody's perfect, right? I have my moments with my children, but they're less and less. They, right, I get through them quicker and quicker. So I'm just very aware each and every moment. I want it, should it be my last, I have to feel okay with that. That's, I mean, that is 
that is a great way to live your life. Because if you live your life that way, you will always be satisfied. Right. And the, if I love stoicism, um, I don't know if you know who Ryan holiday is. Of course. Um, that's where I discovered the, uh, the coin. Yeah. I mean, Ryan holiday is great. Um, if you don't know who he is, Google him, look him up by everything that he's ever written. It's amazing. Exactly. Both on stoicism and marketing. So I want to, I want to take a moment. I want to shift gears a little bit. So you, you, Pot, you started podcasting. You're over 200 episodes deep. Mm-hmm. Most podcasts never make it past their eighth episode. You've obviously mastered that. I would love to hear some takeaways from growing your podcast because you're a podcast coach. You help people mm-hmm. build their podcasts. You're also a business coach. You help people build and grow their businesses. I'm guessing mostly through podcasting. So unpack right. some of the podcasting world for us. What are some mistakes that people make when they're getting started? The first is going into it for the wrong reasons. You have to know what role the podcast is going to play in your business and in your life. There's a trap here. You know this. Uh, Outside looking in, it's easy, right? Fire up that webcam and get myself a mic for under $100 and you're in business. Talk, I can talk. I have a lot to say. Chances are, if that's your marketing ploy, you're not as interesting as you think. And you're going to discover that, that there is a time investment, there's a financial investment, and there's an energy investment into this medium. It could be very powerful if and when you go into it out of the gate for the right reasons. And that's understanding why in the world you're starting one to make money Oh, okay. Let's sort of navigate that and figure out the realism of that. Why you need that in place. Is there another alternative? How do you plan on making money? Is it going to be used to support your business? All these questions need to be answered upfront before you even record. And then you have to find the time and the interest from there to satisfy the reason you're going into it to begin with. But once you find that, it just becomes another outlet in in a whole marketing campaign. So, okay, I want to ask then, what are the reasons that somebody should start a podcast? Like what, if they're starting it as their sole means of business, is that viable? Is that something they should be looking at? Like, what do you see as if somebody were to come and talk to you about starting a podcast, what are your hell yeses? And what are your absolutely not under no circumstance? Should that be your reason? The hell yes is if you already have a core business and a core business model and a core business product and service that is being marketed and sold and you want to power that. That's an absolute hell yes. It's like, come on, let's go. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Nothing energizes me more because chances are there are 50 different ways that we can fine tune a specific podcast for you that is going to support and supercharge what you are already doing. The mm, let's really evaluate this is if you're just doing it because you've always been told you're funny or you think you have a lot to say or you don't know what your business is, that's tough. I, that's that's perfect. I mean, I've had I've had people reach out because of my podcast and be like, can you just give me some pointers? And my first question is, what do you want? What do you want? Uh-huh. What's the end result? And most people say, 
I, I want to put myself out there more. I want to publish. I want people to listen. Well, if you don't, I tell people, if you don't already have an audience, there are 3 million podcasts probably. If you don't have some core people that are going to listen already, it's not going to grow. And I think the reason that people don't get past eight is because most people see three views on their first podcast and they're like, oh, no, this is, and it does, it takes work. It takes time. It takes energy. It's not just firing up a mic and a camera and talking. Um, so, so let's get into a little bit more of the technical stuff. Cause one of the questions Uh I get is what mic do I use? What camera do I need to record? Do you even mess with that stuff off the bat with people? Oh my God. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I deal with everything from the technical to the technique. So the technical is what we're talking about. The mic, the lighting, the camera, the recording, and then the technique, how you are, what you are, why you are behind the mic. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so once we have all of the hell yeses, as you said, like, yes, this makes great, complete sense for you to have a show. Let's start creating the show. Now we spend six weeks or so figuring out everything around it. What kind of show, who's the audience, what's the name, what's the title, the cover art, the description, all of the nuts and bolts there, who are going to be your guests, how long's the show. And then talking about the the technical you know you can get started easily for inside of a hundred dollars there are a handful of fantastic microphones on amazon you can get delivered by tomorrow plug it right into your computer and you sound great you must get that minimum you want a ring light in front of you so you look good if you need extra lighting i'll show you how to make sure you're framed well your background is is good enough and you're you're using zoom or Streamyard and you're up and running. You want to talk about how to find the right guests, who are the right guests, how you're attracting the right guests. That's in the mix as well. That's So let's talk about PodMax a little bit. That's how we met. And if you're listening to this and you want to get started in podcasting, or you want to be a guest on a show and see what it's really like, I would highly recommend PodMax. We'll link that in the show notes down below so you can check that out. But talk to us a little bit about PodMax just because it's such a great event. I mean, did well, that, thank you. Yeah. Was that like drinking beers one night and like you were like, we should totally do this? How did that even come up? So, my co founding partner, Eric, uh, we met uh, a few years ago. And part of the story that I love is how we met. Going back to my personal story that we are, we attract who we are. I met Eric in 2019, so I was already well into my, hey, kids, I get it. I'm the child here. Let me go do some work. And I already started showing up as a better version of myself. And I was at an event where I was recording episodes of my show, and Eric happened to be there, didn't know him at the time, but I interviewed him for my show. And after the after the interview, he said, you know, I have a podcast studio in New Jersey. We're both from Jersey. Why don't you come down one day and check it out? And the rest is history as here we are. And the idea is that if he didn't see who I was and what I was capable of because I presented it, wasn't seeking his approval, I came forward with who I am in the best possible light. He saw it and responded. That's what attracted him to me and vice versa. So then we just started hanging out 
And we, we, we molded this concept of which was an in-person event before 2020. This was a live event. We, we brought about a dozen show hosts into our um, uh, New Jersey studio and created makeshift studios, then invited a dozen entrepreneurs and thought leaders into a room, into this event called PodMax, and each hour they would rotate into a different studio and record as a guest. So it was sort of like speed dating for the podcast industry. And in between, we had a catered lunch. We had keynote speakers. So it was sort of like a workshop and a conference and lots of networking built in. And PodMax was born. And we started doing that every month until 2020 hit and nobody could leave their place. And we said, well, we're a live events company. What in the world are we going to do? We said, well, would this work online? Can this work as a virtual event? Which funny enough, we never even had that thought prior because we had no reason to. So we said, well, let's give this a shot. And in May of 2020, we created PodMax, the virtual event, brought all the best elements to it, created this all-day event where we had hosts from all over the country and world and guests from all over the country and world match them up each hour, sort of match them in, in different rooms each hour so they could record as a guest, had some keynotes, had some networking. And after that one, we said, I think we hit on something here. PodMax works even better as a virtual event. And we started doing that every month or so. And that's how we got to this moment. Well, that's, I was going to say, I, I can totally see you guys like having that light bulb moment because if you're, I held live events up until COVID as well. That was my main business. Yeah. And then COVID hits and you're like, can we do this as virtual? But I think you expanded. I mean, every PodMax I've been to, I was to one of the earlier ones. And I think we, we maybe had 25 or 30 people. The last one was that I think you had like well over a hundred people. Like you had a ton uh -huh. of people uh -huh. Uh -huh. and everybody was engaged. Everybody was having a good time. It is, I will tell you, I'm on the West coast. You guys are on the East coast. I have to get up at 5.00 AM to be there. And I still do yeah. it because yeah. it is such a great, I mean, it's, it is great networking. There are high quality, awesome people there. It's fun more than anything, uh. which is, that's the best F word in the world. Um, yeah. Everybody remembers. I always tell people, people remember how you made them feel, not what you say to them. So uh -huh. if you make them feel good, which is what your event does, people keep coming back over and over and over. So I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people. One of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. If people wanted to join PodMax, if they wanted to come as a guest, what are they looking at? Like what's, what, Um, I, I know there's some cost involved. I don't mean that. I mean, what are they going to get out of it? Because I definitely think that it is a super powerful way for people to get started in podcasting. Thank you for saying that. The idea behind it is not just that we're going to get you on the shows, but what we realized early on is that 
people need a bit of training because we realize that putting a, a ticket fee to, hey, we'll get you on three shows in one day. People were like, oh, I'll, I'll sign up for that. And then they're like, but I've never really been on a show before. So can you kind of help me? And we're like, oh, okay. Uh, which was a wonderful gift because we started building in training for all the guests before the event. We would meet with them. And that's really where, where I find a great love and passion today. So working with me, you get, you, you get training on how to be the best guest ever. Um, we specifically not only, uh, really hone in on your core message and the surrounding stories that support that, but what we do is we help you really nail the opening 60 or 90 seconds to any show that is going to start with a version of, so welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself. And that can make or break the whole entire episode because early on when I started guesting some years ago, I didn't know that that was going to be the case. And I had no clue how to respond to that. I'm like, um, uh, what do you mean? And they're like, uh, just, um, tell us, you know, who you are, how you got started. And I'm like, um, with what? <laughs> like, I, I just didn't know where to go. Right. I was like, ah, oh, this is easy. I'll just show up. Ask me anything. Turns out, don't ask me anything. Right. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, is this like, is this like the opening to a game show? My name is Josh. I'm from Lakewood, New Jersey. I got three brothers. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. So I said, okay, I got work to do. Guess what? I'm going to craft that opening so I can nail it each and every time. I can't tell the the host, pass, new question, move, <laughs> next question, please. So I figured out, I took some time. I have to do as a guest. You have to know the core message you're sharing. You have to know the stories you can tell that support that message and get your opening, get your 60 to 90 second interesting opening and it, it, it doesn't begin with your work and what you do and the role in the office. And no, no, no. Make it much more interesting than that. People don't care about that, right? Find the hook and practice it, rehearse it over and over again, make it sound natural. And that'll be wonderfully into an episode. That's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I tell so many people like in my business coaching, they, they want to speak on stages and I'm like, go on some podcasts first. If you want to get better at networking, because what happens in most networking groups, people show up and they, they're like, and they just like dump on you for five minutes about where they work, what they do and blah, 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 blah. And there's right. Everyone's like, no interest Leave me alone. Right. right. But if instead you have a great hook and you have honed it to something you can deliver in 30 or 40 seconds. I don't know if you remember you had, um, you had a guy on that was doing, uh, he was one of the speakers and he he had a television show that was on Amazon where he was, you had to pitch him. Do you Dave remember Meltzer. that? Of course. So I don't know if you remember, but like, I didn't know that that was coming up in the show because I didn't read the email, but I was like, cool, I'll pitch him. And I drilled it. I, I, he like literally at the end of it was like, that was perfect. Oh, you won, right? You won one of the three spots. I did. I got second because at the end, I, I didn't mean to do it, but I was like, at the end I finished and I was like, and that was completely off the cuff. 
with no practice. And he was like, Oh, you're an egotistical little bitch. Um, you get second and Rhino Julie got first, which is fine. I like, that was my fault because it was a little bit of a, like, look at what I can do, but it's because mm. I've practiced yeah, so exactly. much. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you have too. That's why we were talking before the show, like how you can go back and forth, how you can be conversational radio personalities just didn't wake up one day and mm. be like, Boop. right. It's so true. Neither did Joe Rogan, who, by the way, going back to our last segment, don't start a podcast because you want to be Joe Rogan. Do not. You know that. Absolutely. I mean, you you start Joe Rogan, to his credit, 800 episodes before anyone started noticing. So anyone who says, like, I'm going to do whatever it takes, 800 episodes. Yeah. That many reps you'll have a show, you'll have a following. There's no way you won't. If you do that, that's, I mean, maybe you could do that. If you did one a day, that's still three years. And that's sure. a lot. Um, I wouldn't don't start because you want to be Joe Rogan. hundred percent true. Been there, done that. I mean, that's the same thing. Like Casey Neistat, great YouTuber, love Casey's videos. But if you look at Casey, he was one one of the first people, and he did a daily every day. And he knew how to tell stories because he came from the film world. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to do that. Hey, cool. Let me know how that is in two months. Most yeah. people don't last a week because they realize editing is a beast, right? Uh-huh. So, okay, let's, let's pivot into kind of business coaching for podcasting. We kind of talked about why you should start one. What are some of the benefits that you have seen from people who do the podcast successfully? The people who come to you, they have a business, they have a product, they have a service, they have that stuff, and then they pour the gasoline of podcasting on top of it. What are some of the results? There's two. One, you're naturally going to see an increase in your exposure and in the way people who you've once reached are now reacting to you. So now they have a new level of awareness and a new level of interest. But what I also discovered, and this is what others do as well, when I first started podcasting, I didn't realize the unexpected confidence that I would get from podcasting. I thought I'm just doing this. And like I said earlier, people said, you're really good at this. So there was the validation, right? I didn't need the external approval, but I was getting the confidence through the reps and the result that I was seeing on the outside to validate what I was doing, what I was bringing to the table. So that just becomes a wonderful cycle because the more confident and trained you are, that affects everything that you're doing on the business side. And now you're a better marketer. You're a better presenter. You're a better speaker. You're a better communicator. You're a better salesperson. You're just better. And people notice that. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that what you focus on, you get. And then you get more of that. And then you sell more. You are more. You have more. You be more. And it just keeps continuing just from doing it well. And this is a craft that is completely learnable. Everything here is a skill that you can unravel and dissect and figure out what is happening and learn to do it yourself if you are motivated and have the reason to do it. That's, I mean, 
That's perfect. I grew up watching Larry King. My mom watched Larry King every night, right? Hmm. I had a natural interest in interviewing people. But I will tell you, if you go back to 2016 for my my first podcast, which was not this, the first, <laughs> I would say 40, probably 30 to 50, 60 episodes were horrid. Like the first one was exactly what you said, like me rambling and being like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but here we go. Let's blah, 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 blah. And like, I'm glad nobody was listening. I kept at it though. I did gain some listenership there. And then when I came over to this, it was much easier, but it is a learnable skill. It's something uh-huh. you repeat over and over. And I will tell you, if you do a podcast publishing, whether you are emailing daily, whether you are putting out a podcast, whether you're putting out a YouTube video, if you publish daily, it will hone your messaging, the way you talk about your business, and it will give you a skill set that is a, it's a secondary skill set, but it almost outweighs the podcast itself because the way you will show up in networking, the way you'll show up at live events, the way you'll show up if you speak on stage, the way you will talk about what you do uh. will multiply like 10x. Um, and that's, I mean, that was the true benefit for me. The I, I also love meeting people. It's a great way to meet quality people that you want to meet because almost anyone will come on your show if uh-huh. you if you ask correctly. Um, I want to ask about monetization because this is a hot topic. People, a lot of people are like, I want to monetize as soon as possible. What's your take on monetization in podcasts? I think we already touched upon it. You have to know why you're doing it. And if you're doing it to support a business, then you can expect monetization. My show, the hidden entrepreneur show doesn't make money from the podcast. It makes money because of the podcast. My business, well, right? Yeah. Let me let me clarify a little bit. I know a lot of people who right away are going out trying to get ads and sponsors for their show. What do you think about that specifically? Is there a place where you would tell people to go seek sponsorship? Do you think sponsorship is a good thing, a bad thing? Tell me a little bit about that. It's it's not so cut and dry and not so black and white. And I'll tell you why, because I'm only hearing part of this scenario. I would need to know the other portion of it. Do you already have a business? Why do you think you want or need sponsorships? Are we looking to make some extra dollars out of the gate? Are you looking to build relationships? Are you looking to put a little, do you think that that'll give you a little bit of a professional edge because of the impression that a sponsor holds? Let's talk about why you are hell bent right now on getting a sponsor and what it means. So without knowing the full picture, I'm not against it because I've I've heard I've heard many situations where very, very young shows say, hey, I got my first sponsor. There are sponsors for certain shows if they fit certain criteria. And that's great. So there are times when a sponsor, you may say, you know, there's this local restaurant up the road. I frequent there all the time. They might be a perfect sponsor. Great. Let's get them on board, right? So it's not yes or no, black or white. It could work, but you can't be deceived into thinking that a sponsor is going to give you four or five figures early on out of the gate when you don't have anything to support it and no no numbers and no reason. That's a good, I mean, that is, I think that is the answer. Um, it, it goes back to, I'm starting a podcast because I want to be Joe Rogan and I want to get sponsorship dollars and I'm just going to talk to people. And I'm not saying that it's a pipe dream, but you need to have a solid 
base, have a business, have the podcast, get a hundred episodes under your belt, like prove that there is a reason for it. That's my take on it. When people ask me, I'm like, if that's why you're starting it, most shows, even the ones who get sponsorship, they're getting 200 bucks a month, 300 bucks a month, maybe 500, maybe a little bit more, but like, it's a lower dollar amount for sure. Well, well, the numbers, uh, you know, CPM is cost per thousand listens or downloads. The industry average is $25, $25 per thousand listeners to your show. And getting a thousand is no small per episode. That's no, that's no easy feat, right? Uh, so that, that'll get you $25 if you fill that inventory and find a sponsor. So, you know, that just sort of puts it into perspective. That is a a great way to look at it. Well, Josh, you have covered a wealth of things from being vulnerable, finding your why, moving into what makes impact, serving your kids the best way that you can, all the way to what makes a great podcast and where to get started. I just want to say thank you so much for coming onto the show. Where can people find you if they want to learn more? We talked about PodMax. Where else can they go? My website, joshcarry.com, is your fork in the road. It'll give you an overview of everything I'm doing, what I'm up to. You can watch and listen to my episodes. You can click through to your favorite social platform of choice and get in touch with me there. Awesome. That will be linked in the show notes and action bullets as well. So everything is down below. If you have any interest in podcasting, I am telling you, come to PodMax. You will not be disappointed absolutely amazing event. Also connect with Josh on his website. Till next time, take action, change lives and make money. We will see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.